My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors. I'm welcoming you here today. I want you to know that a team of people have been working for months to create this moment. We've been preparing, but more importantly than that, we've been praying. We've been praying for you that tonight would be a very special gift in your life for you and your family. Christmas 2017. Our prayer has been that when you walked into this space, it would feel like you had walked into a sanctuary, a place of rest, a place where you can just take a deep breath. Doesn't that sound good? Can we do it right now? Just take a deep breath. We made it. We made it. It's Christmas Eve. You're here. You made it. Right? And you can relax now. All the presents are wrapped. They're all wrapped, right? You're done with that? I don't want to add your stress, but uh, your, your, your relationships are intact and you're here, right? Merry Christmas. Welcome. Tonight is a very special night, and what we're praying is that you will worship tonight. Our prayer has been that you won't just take a, a deep breath physically, but that actually you might be able, allowed by God's grace to take a deep breath spiritually, to breathe in God's goodness and the glory and the beauty and the wonder of the Christmas story. And what I want to ask you to do is to pull out the candle that you were handed when you walked in here. Will you just hold on to that with me for a moment? I want to tell you a little bit about what's going to happen tonight. So in about 30 minutes, that candle that you're holding will be ignited with a flame. Someone will come down the aisle with a candle, and there will be a transfer of light that will spread through the room. And I want to talk to you about that moment a little bit. The first thing that I want you to know is when that candle comes down the aisle and someone holds out candlelight to you, that's your moment to tip your unlit candle, because we never tip a lit candle. We know this, right, as adults. You never tip a lit candle. You only tip an unlit candle, and you get light And then you turn to the neighbor next to you and you hold your lit candle and they will turn their unlit candle. Moms and dads, help your children with this, please. Um, And then the light will spread and we'll worship together. But in preparation for that moment, I want to ask you to think with me for just a minute about that moment when your candle is ignited. There's something about that moment that I want to talk to you about tonight on Christmas Eve. That moment when there's a transfer of warmth and energy and light. And I want you to think about what a contrast that will be. Your candle will go from being lifeless and cold and dark in and of itself. And in a moment there will be this incredible transfer of power and suddenly what you're holding in your hand will glow with warmth and life. The candle is a metaphor for the human heart. It's a metaphor that has hidden within it the true meaning of Christmas, which is what I want to talk to you about tonight. And it goes like this. God has the power to ignite a human heart with faith 
God has the power. Only God has the power to do this. He has the power to ignite a heart with warmth and light and life. And that happens at the moment that a person beholds, maybe for the very first time, the full glory and the full beauty of Jesus Christ. And in that moment, God can do something so powerful. In places where there once was darkness, God can bring light. I don't know about you, maybe you came in tonight and that dark candle is a metaphor for your life. We've been, it's been a dark year, has it not? Darkness. Maybe you came in tonight and you've just felt darkness in your life. Maybe you came in tonight and that's, that metaphor of coldness is a metaphor for how you have felt your heart feels cold and you'd love for nothing more than for God to ignite warmth in your heart. Did you know that God has the power to do that? And not only does he have the power to do it, he has the desire to do it. That's the meaning of Christmas. You know what Christmas is about? Christmas is about how far God would go to reach people that he loves and to lead them to his son, Jesus Christ. He's he's willing to go so far. That is the meaning of the story of the wise men. These mysterious characters in the Christmas story. We, we, We heard about them tonight. I think of all the characters in the story, the most mysterious ones, the ones with the most aura about them are the wise men. Who were these wise men? And why are they included in the account of the birth of Jesus Christ? Have you ever wondered that? Even if you have very little familiarity with the Bible, most people have heard about the kings who follow the star and it leads them to Bethlehem and they worship the Christ child and they give gifts. But very few people have actually slowed down and asked the question, Why does God include their story in the Christmas account? Matthew tells us about them in his gospel. I want to read the first couple of verses to you again. These will be on the screen behind me. We just see how Matthew describes them. He says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. They're so mysterious, the wise men. We we almost know nothing about them, but what Matthew has told us, this is the only gospel that even mentions the wise men. But we can be certain of a couple things. First of all, we can be certain that there were not three of them, all right? There weren't three. Matthew never tells us how many there were. There could have been dozens. We don't know. Six, seven, eight. We know there weren't three. We know they were not from the Orient. All right? At least not how we understand the Orient. The wise men came most likely from Persia or from Babylon, modern-day Iraq, which means if you know anything about the history of Israel, then you know these men came from the heart of enemy territory. These were like the ultimate outsiders for the people of Israel. And so for God to include them, to go that far to reach them, was a demonstration of the wide mercy of God that he wants to include all peoples of all nations and tribes and tongues. 
and lead them to behold Jesus Christ. Amazing. But they weren't from the Orient. There weren't three of them. They weren't from the Orient. And they weren't even kings, okay? So when we sing, we three kings of Orient are, pretty much everything about that line is wrong, okay? But it's an amazing song. I actually requested that song. I love that song. But that one phrase is wrong, okay? All right? They weren't, they weren't, they weren't kings. They were astrologers. They were magi. The word magi, the Greek word is the word magos, which means it can be translated magician, but most scholars think of it as an astrologer. These were scholars of the stars. So the ancients were stargazers. Most of the ancient people outside of Israel believed that there was some kind of a relationship between the movement of the heavenly bodies and the movement of earthly Bodies. And they believed that by studying the movement of the stars, people could find meaning and direction for human life. And the Magi were like the experts of reading the stars. That's why they were called wise men. They had mastered the art. Now, we moderns have rightly split that up into two things, astronomy and astrology. But for the ancients, they held them together. Astronomy is, is two words. It's the word aster and the word namas, so it means star, aster, and then namas, which is the word law. So it's, it's the study of, of star laws, not star wars, let's be clear, star laws. It was the study of the laws of the movement of the stars. And the word astrology, astrology, was two words, star and Lagos, which means word, it was the study of the meaning of the stars. What are the stars saying to human beings? And in the ancient world, they combined those, and the magi were the masters. They studied the stars, and so they claimed they discovered meaning for how to live in this world, which they would relate to the people around them. Interesting. The magi give us a window into one of the universal traits of the human heart. The human heart craves for meaning in our world. Human beings, we are meaning seekers. We want to know, what does this all mean? Why are we here? What is the purpose of life here? This is what sets us apart from animals and other creatures is that we want to know these things. We're not, we're not content just to survive in a world. We want to understand deeper questions like why. Animals never ask why, right? Several years ago, my girls got this little kitten. She is a Himalayan kitten, which if you don't know the breed Himalayan, just think a massive puffball, okay? It's like mostly fur, very little flesh, little bones. And this cat, we named her Penelope, and she's the most adorable, beautiful, overbred cat you've ever seen in your life, which means she's incredibly dumb, okay? And she has these deep blue eyes, and I stare into those eyes, and the longer I look, the more I realize the lights are on and no one is home. <laughs> no one's home. This is the dumbest cat on the planet. This cat is not asking why. This cat is not pondering the deep things of life. Why am I here? Why do I eat? None of it, you know? But we humans do. We wonder, why? Why am I here? And actually, you can only live your life for so long before you need an answer to that question. And if you don't find one that's meaningful, your life will begin to unravel and you will feel hopeless. This is why. 
Since the beginning of time, human beings have sought meaning in our world. Wherever we can try to find it, we look to the stars, we look to creation, but this leads us to the second lesson of the wise men because, see, it's not just that the human heart craves for meaning. There's one more thing we learn from the wise men, and it's this. Most of the time, all of the time, the human heart tends to avoid God as the source of the answer to those questions. This is what we learned from the Magi. They were astrologers. Oh, they wanted to find meaning, but they didn't want to look to the creator for that meaning. They wanted to look to the creation. They looked to the stars. And they looked to their own inventions, and they looked to their supposed wisdom and the things that they could drum up anywhere so that they didn't have to look to the creator God of the universe who is the one person who can answer the question, why are we here? Why are we here? And it's as if it's part of human nature, isn't it? Think about it. Everywhere you look, people are craving for meaning, but there's something in them that doesn't want to turn to their creator to find the answers. And so human beings look everywhere they can to answer deep questions. Look to creation, look to the stars. You know, astrology is actually on the rise in our culture. More than ever before, people are turning to zodiacs and tarot cards and you name it. Just go on social media. It's all over the place. This week, there was an article in USA Today, and the title of the article read, December 21st will be the worst astrological day of 2017. Did you know that? I learned that this week. Thursday. It was Thursday, and it was the worst astrological day of the year. I'm being serious, but you can laugh because it is kind of funny. And, if, and here's what the article said. It said, welcome to the worst day of the year. That's a great intro. Astrologer Neil Spencer tells us that not only is Thursday, December 21st, the shortest day of the year, winter solstice, but it also just so happens that on this day, Saturn and the sun will both pass in front of the constellation Capricorn, causing their orbs to align. Did you know that? That happened on Thursday. And here's why it matters. Cosmic translation, today's going to be brutal. Don't plan to accomplish anything of significance today. Because anything you try to do Thursday will be more difficult than usual, take more time, and be more frustrating. Do you remember what you did on Thursday of significance? Precisely, right? You did nothing. People will look anywhere. They'll look to astrology. People look to creation. Many people look to science. I love science. I was a biology major. Science is amazing. But science answers the question what and how, but it doesn't answer the question why. We've discovered incredible things through modern science and medicine. We've learned how so many things in our world work, but there will never come a day when science will answer the question, but why? Why are we here? What is the purpose of all this? Many people seek meaning in pleasure, in the creature comforts. And a lot of times that's just a form of a diversion so that they can stop trying to answer the question. But eventually that way of life will catch up to you and you'll hit a wall and you realize, I don't even know what I'm living for. I don't know what I'm living for. 
And the wise men give us a window into this. And here's the question I want to ask you on Christmas Eve 2017. How does God respond to people who are trying to avoid him? What does God do? The answer is, God goes out of his way to reach them with a heart of love. God goes out of his way. God stretches. God bends. God adapts. God stoops. He goes to the furthest lengths, the deepest depths to reach people who are trying to avoid him. Have you ever thought about this? Why? How did God reach a group of stargazers? He sent them a star. Isn't that amazing? Hundreds of miles away from the birth of Christ, God went out of his way to speak to them in a language they could understand. It's the heart of God. Can I read it for you again? Verse 2. This, the star is an amazing element to the story. Here's what Matthew says. When the wise men stood before Herod, they said to him, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. Just leave that verse up there for just a minute. You see the star in, in Christmas nativity scenes. It's the Christmas star, right? But very rarely do we ask the question, what kind of a star would get the attention of scholars of stars? What kind of star was this? Was this a naturally occurring thing? Was it a comet or some kind of a supernova? It doesn't seem likely because the way that the Bible describes this star is that it led them. You can put that down now, thank you. It led them, and not only did it lead them all the way to Jerusalem, but the star actually came to rest over the place where the Christ was. We'll read about that in just a minute. So this star was not natural. It was supernatural. It was a miracle. This was a demonstration of the heart of God going out of his way, doing something absolutely astounding. God speaking to stargazers in a language that they could understand. And what did he do? He sent them something that blew up all of their categories. Here they are. You can picture them. The masters of the stars looking into the universe. And suddenly, a star rises that opens up a gap in their understanding of stars. And suddenly they realize, we're missing something. This is inexplicable. We have to follow this star. What is happening here? God in his mercy sent a star that so confounded all of their mental categories that they realized we actually don't have the answers to the meaning of life. It's the heart of God. It's God's heart. What does God do? He reaches in love. Can I suggest something tonight? This story is not just about the Magi. It's about you. You are not here by accident. You didn't come here by accident. Can you look at this candle again? Can I tell you something? You are not holding this candle by accident. God has been seeking you because he loves you. In his mercy, he has been going out of his way to reach you. You didn't walk through these doors by accident. 
think about what's happening in your life. And I can almost guarantee you something has been happening in your life that's confounded you or disrupted your life. Maybe it's a relationship or a conflict or a situation. Maybe it's a discussion that you had that's opened up a gap in your understanding of the world and you've realized all the answers that I thought made sense, suddenly they don't make sense to me anymore. And I wonder, why am I here? What is the purpose of life? I don't know, but I can be almost sure of this. God is trying to reach you. And he led you to this moment because he loves you. Can I tell you about the most amazing part of this story? Here's what happens. Verses 9 to 11. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, look at this. The star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And they worshiped Christ. What I love about that moment is the, the moment when the star comes to rest. It's so beautiful. And what it tells me is that as amazing as that star was, as miraculous as that star was, the point of the star was not to get these stargazers to focus on it. The point of the star was to lead them to focus on Jesus Christ, God's son. And I imagine light shining from the star onto his face. Amazing. And you begin to realize the point of the whole thing was to get them to that moment for the first time. They looked upon the face of Jesus Christ and something happened. Power was ignited in their hearts and they became worshipers. They became worshipers. Can I share with you a couple of verses, a couple of my favorites? This is from the book of Colossians, chapter two, verse three, where Paul says, for it is in him that is in Christ and in him alone that humankind will find all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What an amazing statement. Paul is saying, if you want to find the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in our world, the place where they're hidden is in Jesus Christ. Wonderful. How about this, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. For God said, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ. Can we just leave that verse up for a minute? Can I suggest something? That's what happened to the Magi. The very same God who spoke light into darkness in that moment as they looked upon the face of Christ, suddenly something was ignited in their hearts and they were allowed to see with faith, this is no ordinary child. We are looking upon the face of the glory of the living God and their hearts were ignited with power. And they became worshipers. What about you? Perhaps in your life, you've been a distant admirer of Jesus. You've observed from a distance, but it's always from a distance. And even you hold Jesus in high regard. But have you ever come to the moment when looking upon his face, you realize in faith I'm looking upon the face of the light of the glory of the living God. That's the gift of the power of God. 
And oh, how I pray it happens in your life this Christmas. Can I tell you something before we worship together? You know, I was thinking about this today as the weather pattern rolled in. I was thinking, you know, that's really unexpected. And I'm really annoyed by that. I was really frustrated. But then I realized, do you know what? Sometimes the most amazing things happen to us in the unexpected moments. Sometimes the most powerful things that happen in your life you never see coming, like faith, like God unleashing power in your heart. You don't even know it's coming and then suddenly you're in the moment and you realize it's happening to me. Do you know that I've been praying for months that that would happen in your heart tonight? I hope it does. I hope it does. I like to say a prayer about that right now as the worship team comes. Will you bow your heads with me on Christmas Eve? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this amazing story. We want to thank you for the account of the wise men, that you included them, Lord. What an incredible picture of how far you will go, God, to reach people that you're calling. And of course, we see this truth in such beautiful form in your son, Jesus Christ, who went the distance for us. Jesus, who of his own accord left the comforts of heaven to squeeze himself into frail humanity and walking among us, he lived the life of a human being. But he continued to reach and so going deeper, he went all the way to a sinner's cross where he bore our sin and even deeper into the depths of a tomb into death for us. And Jesus went all the way through death into life and resurrection to have victory over sin. It's a picture of your love for us, God. And it's the truth, the gospel truth. And we want to worship Jesus tonight. And we want to behold him. I pray, Lord, that as we sing tonight, that you would ignite faith in our hearts. Thank you for it, Lord. We pray it in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen.